Hey everyone, everyone, Chris Manning here with my guest, Jackson Frank from Dime, from The Analyst, from Liberty Ballers, and a bunch of other places to talk about the improvements of Jared Allen and Darius Garland have made this year. Perhaps we'll talk a little bit about their all-star candidacies as well. Let's dive into all of that. Jackson Frank. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Before we get into today's show, I want to thank you for making Locked On Cavs your first listen every day. Remember, Locked On Cavs is free and available on all platforms. That includes YouTube, where we are just a few subs away from 1,000. Help us get there today. And if you're listening to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or your favorite podcast platform, go to the show notes, click the link, and subscribe right now. But Jackson, buddy, what's up? How are you? I'm uh, I'm doing pretty well. I can't I can't complain. Um, actually, a pretty nice day here in Portland on Sunday. So, you know, no rain, no wind. It uh, makes for a good day in January here. Yeah, I uh, people just all behind the baseball stuff. I'm we're recording this on Sunday the 16th, so some stats and things have changed. If if anything else has changed by the time you hear this on Wednesday, that is why. I am also uh, it's some actual normal weather in Cleveland now, but I'm heading down to the south. It is because things are weird in the world. I'm going to be potentially impacted by snowstorms flying through Atlanta because that's just where we're at in 2022. Cool, <laughs> just re- really cool stuff we have going on as yeah. as we as we think about all of this. Um, but Jackson, let's start with Darius Garland because you wrote about him earlier in the year. Another disclosure: we were going to have, we actually had, we started recording an episode, and like your power went out. There was a whole shenanigans. Like we're yeah. back to do it. It makes and it worked out because you wrote this other really good Jalen Allen piece for the for the analyst. But I, I want to ask you this: when you look at Darius Garland, what do you, in your opinion, has he most improved on this year? And and kind of what do you think that has meant for the Cavs, who are very much in the thick of the top six race in the East, and, and frankly, one of the I think one of the more kind of improved teams this year. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you know broadly, it's it's the scoring aggression. Um, I think it's really taken off since you know Colin Sexton went down. Maybe even a little more uh, in terms of just offensive aggression since R- Ricky Rubio went down. They're kind of you know different you know different players. Of course, both were were important to the Cavs' offense, uh, and I think that's often manifested you know primarily through he's just hunting more threes. The three point rates up. I think about ten points this year. Um, not quite as efficient from three, but. That tends to happen when you when you take when you, because I think last year especially and even his rookie year he was so kind of like looking for the best three pointer and he would pass out of some looks and this year he's realized you know maybe maybe I miss a couple but if I take them you know it's it's a good shot so that's what stood out to me I think the passing's a little bit sharper but that was that was incredible last year as well I think you know his his assist numbers are up this year and I think maybe his assist to turnover ratio is up a little bit but I think that's largely the product of having better players around him. Um, Kevin loves him better this year. Evan Mobley, obviously the very good play finisher in the rim. We know what he can do with Jared Allen. Um, you know, I think, you know, may, so again, a little bit sharp, but that doesn't really stand out much. The passing was something that I really, really liked last year. So, um, to me, it's just being more aggressive and, um, he's a really, really awesome shooter. He's been a little better around the rim too. Like he's not forcing things as much at the rim this year and he's playing with more craft too. Like I think fewer of his shots are coming there, but, yep. um, is shooting maybe five or six points better depending on what what database you use for shots around the rim. Everyone has, you know, I think basketball reference is zero to three and then, you know, uh, NBA.com is like zero to four within the restricted area. But um, regardless, definitely a leap there in terms of efficiency. So, um, you know, whether it's taking more threes or being a little more discretionary around the rim, but better 
um, when he gets there. And then also just being an awesome, awesome mid-range shooter this year on, you know, increased volume all around, you know, scoring wise, that's, that's where she's the biggest leap. And it's especially been prevalent since Colin Sexton went down a couple months ago. Yeah, I, the three-point thing, I think, is the, the key to note here because it's 9% above overall, according to the clean of the glass. That takes him from about the 39th percentile among guards to 56th percentile, so he's above the, the, the average mark in terms of three-point rate. And the biggest change has been non-corner three. So 37% of his shots this year are non-corner threes. That's up from 26% a year ago. Um, and as you alluded to, he's taking 9% fewer shots at the rim, and he's still like been more effective. His effective field goal percentage is a little bit up this year. The mid range, uh, you know, is is a little bit um, is about the static, and it's it's really been the three point volume where his shots have come, and that's that's kind of an interesting place because I I think there's not all reasons that are him, right? Like I think Jared Allen being someone he can just throw a lob to, and it's probably going to be a, a dunk or a foul attempt for Jared Allen is probably a reason why he's maybe not shooting as much of the rim, just because that pass just tends to always be there. And Mobley, I think certainly their chemistry is like we saw a really nice cut from the corner from Mobley um, against the Thunder on Saturday, where like that might have been a shot for Garland, but mobile because in from the corner it's an easy dunk you just take those easy points the three-point rate is just i think especially important for this team too because like this is not a well-spaced team i love isaac okoro not a not a plus shooter may never be a plus shooter lamar stevens is playing really well right now never probably going to be a plus shooter larry marketing is not shooting well at all like he's just been cold and he's been pretty up and down Mobley's not a shooter yet allen's not a shooter kevin love's been a good shooter jetty osmond's been much better this year Rondo is not going to be once he plays and Rubio was shooting well, but like was already kind of coming down back to earth after he had a really, really hot start here. Garland, especially with Sexton out Garland kind of has to do this. I don't really like the Cavs offense is about average. It's like fine. The, 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 the real identity of this team is their defense. I don't know where this team would be. And like, when I think about Garland as like an all-star candidate, when I think about him as someone who deserves like maybe most improved player buzz, if depending on how you criteria that vote, like, I just don't know how you would, you, I, you take away what the team is without his offensive leap and what he's doing offensively. I don't think like their offense functions unless he's doing this. I don't like, are they like a bottom five offense if he's like bad or hurt or out? Like, I, I don't know because I don't know who else on this team they can trust to like, not just initiate things in a clean way and an effective way, but like make threes like this and space the floor like this. Like is Kevin, like, do you have to go to Kevin Love like 30 minutes a game? That's clearly not a sustainable thing at this point. Like, I don't know what you would do unless Garland is is doing kind of what we're seeing right now. And that's, that's like both, I think terrifying a little bit, but also like really, really impressive if you're looking at it from a Darius perspective. Yeah. I mean, I think you saw some of what they would have to do in those games that Garland was out. I think especially, I think the, the Pacers game early this month uh, when Mobley was running point a lot and, and stuff like that. And that, that's something I think Mobley can do at times, like handle the offense, like long-term especially, but right now it's not exactly what you want to do all the time because the jumper's not quite there. Guys can kind of get into his handle and, and kind of make him uncomfortable. But um, yeah, I think, you know, with, with Garland, obviously some of that is circumstantial. The fact that Sexton's out and Rubio's out, like, you know, Garland is more important than because those guys are out, but he's also just really important because he's really, really good. Right. Yes. And so I think, you know, but just it's really interesting to look at the, the, the splits uh, and kind of how he was approaching the game before and after Sexton injury. Um, roughly here, about 11 shots per game, you know, the first eight games that he played, 15 points since then. I think 15 or 17 shots. I just looked at it correctly on basketball reference and 21 points. Um, still been pretty dang efficient all around, you know, above league average, true shooting pretty comfortably, um, which is impressive, as we mentioned, given the limitations of that that roster right now offensively. So uh, really impressive. That was the thing that, you know, I thought Garland was really, really awesome down the stretch last year. And, you know, after the All-Star break, you know, he had that unfortunate ankle injury that kept him out for a lot of the last month or so. Um, but that was kind of my biggest worry with him offensively was, 
would he get to a place where he he felt like he could be aggressive enough? Because he's always been so wired to make the right plays, always such a great passer. But I kind of worried, could he handle that increased scoring volume if he had to? Could he get to that place where he's not just like a really, you know, solid ball lead ball handler, but one that is really, really threatening and imposing both as a scorer and passer. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate how it's come to be that way with two with injuries to Sexton and, and Rubio. Mm-hmm. But he's absolutely kind of done what he can to cover it. You know, he's not a guy that's all of a sudden averaging 15 points and 14 assists, but the offense is more broad down. He said, okay, I'll take four to five, six more shots per game and, and make it work. So that's been really impressive. You know, it's... By no means is like are those injuries, you know. Some people say, like, "Oh, it's like a blessing." Or it's not. It's not a blessing, but that you know that that those injuries have forced him to kind of grow outside of his comfort zone, and it's been really cool for him. And I think that's the reason you're seeing him as a legitimate All Star candidate. I think if those guys were still around, he'd be a guy that, like, yeah, he's a really good, he's a good player, really, really good young guard for that context, but probably not quite All Star level. But because of those injuries and what he's had to do as a result, he's absolutely in the All Star conversation. Yeah, the Sexton part of it is just unfortunate because you could see at the beginning of the year that Sexton was getting moved more off ball and like they were turning some stuff over to Garland. But at the same time, like, you know, Colin would have, I think, provided something this team kind of is missing, just some some scoring punch that I think it kind of needs at times. Um, but them f- and, and just Colin missing, getting hurt at the time he did is just one of the more unfortunately time injuries I can think of in recent, like just in terms of the Cavs ascending his fit and all that with his contract. It's just like a, a real real bummer before going to break Jackson. I want to just ask you this because I, I tend to think that Darius also has improved on defense. He's not a plus defender, right? Like there's been games this year where teams will hunt him down. Like drew holiday when they have played the bucks has just kind of wrecked him just because hey, Drew holiday is awesome. But drew holiday just used his eyes kind of went at Darius. But I think his positioning, I think, and I think his effort level have been better this year where like, yes, he has this, these two like seven armed monsters behind him. When he plays with Okoro, Okoro can handle like the, the lead kind of ball handler type. So he's not getting put in the the pick and roll like hell zone, like a ton of times of game necessarily, but I think he's better. And I think that is not something that is ever going to drive his value. That is not going to get him like whatever contract extension he is going to get after the season. But I think he's better. Is, is that unfair in your mind? I, don't know, I think, you know, I, I feel like he's been a, it's been ebbs and flows for him. I thought to start the year, he was pretty solid. I don't know how long I would classify the start as. And then there was a little bit of a, a stretch later in the year when I would catch, you know, a Cavs game, you know, once or twice a week. And I would, I would be pretty unenthused with his defense. But as of late, maybe the last month, month and a half, I don't feel like it's ever really stuck out. Like, you know, like, like Trey Young is a better player than Derek Garland, but when I watch the Hawks, I'm always noticing if I'm keeping a keen eye, like Trey Young's breakdowns defensively. I don't feel like Garland is that way. And it helps that like, the personnel around Garland is much better. The Hawks don't really have much beyond Clint Capella. And then when, De- when DeAndre Hunter is available, Kevin Herter can be okay there. But um, it definitely helps. And so um, I think he's been all right. Like Garland isn't like some super strong guy, but he uses his physicality pretty well. Like he, he moves well laterally. Obviously, you see kind of the, the burst and the speed offensively. But there are definitely times where he's able to stay in front of his man with and uses his chest well, kind of you know sticks himself out like that to stop drive and whatnot. Um, always going to be limited because he's a he's a smaller guard. People always classify guards as small, like a smaller guard, but, some, but like he's actually a smaller guard. Um, you know, between his size and you know, not, or I guess his strength and all that. But um, I think he's been all right. You know, to to put it you know concisely, like I, I, you know, it's been up and down, but I but I feel like he's done some good things off the ball and even on the ball at times. And again, I don't I don't feel like he sticks out like a sore thumb. And as you mentioned, the context helps when he has two all defensive caliber big men around him and even Lowry has has size to kind of deter guys away from him at times so 
Um, and then, as you mentioned, Okoro, and then even Lamarche James now in the starting lineup is, is a very good wing defender. So um, he's in a good context, but he doesn't derail things. He doesn't kind of um, you know, crumble possessions, I think, is kind of the way I try to, to yep. frame some of those guys. And that's important. And he has some good traits. So um, I would say it feels kind of like I was always fairly optimistic about him defensively in terms of not being like bottom barrel. Um, at least I would say last year too. So um feels about the same to me, but again, I'm not watching every game. You know, I, I, I love watching the Cavs, but I can only get maybe them every other game at best. So um, it doesn't feel necessarily much better. Maybe the impact is better, but I always felt like there was the baseline of a guy who could be pretty solid in the right context. And obviously this is the right context for that. Yeah, some of this truly might just be like me like noticing it it more. Like I'm totally willing to like acknowledge that like maybe I am just noticing the fact that he's like not dying on screens anymore. But like that is such like a bar that if you just willing to fight through screens and like stick to what you're supposed to do, and even if you're never gonna like be a all defensive guard guy, like you can be successful if you just do that kind of stuff. Like it's a very low bar sometimes, but like you you can. All right, after the break, we're gonna get into a little more of Darius Garland because I he's just been. Incredible, and he's coming off. I think one of the most impressive games of his season, uh, the Saturday against the Thunder, just an outrageous performance for him. But first, got to tell everyone about our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks has the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. They offer more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator, and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players only recording a handful of minutes each game. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of from points, assists, rebounds, threes made, etc. You can pick two to five players and an over under on their projections, and you can win up to ten times on any entry and it's just you versus those projected numbers right now for a limited time prize has an exclusive offer no brainer of an offer for all users users get fifty dollars for free if a player in your first prize pick entry score scores just one single point but all you got to do is use the promo code nba that is right that is an exclusive offer available to lockdown listeners only who use the code nba go to prizepicks.com or on your app store and download the app all you have to do is deposit and use the promo code NBA to get a fifty to get fifty free dollars in your first price book entry when your someone scores a single point. That's right. All users that deposit and use the promo code NBA will get fifty dollars free if your first price book entry scores a single point. Price picks is daily fantasy made easy. All right, Jackson. So what what do you if you're looking at what Darius has done and where he could still go? I guess I want to ask this as is kind of a two parts question. What are his next steps? And what kind of players that they don't already have would kind of be the ideal fits to support that growth? Like what kind of infrastructure can the Cavs look to add in your mind to kind of support whatever next steps can come for him? Yeah, I am. I am curious to see where exactly his scoring efficiency levels out, because as good as he's been this year, I think he's shooting unsustainably well from mid range. Like he's 52, 54%. Like that's, that's, I don't, I don't know how many guys in NBA history have sustained that over multiple years. Um, You know, KD, Chris Paul, even they're those are the guys kind of the, the bellwethers for that, and they're usually 49, 50%. So um, I'm curious to kind of see how his scoring approach evolves when he, maybe he goes through a cold stretch in a month. I mean, he can have a year where he shoots, you know, outlier well from, from injuries that happens, but um, long term, I'm curious to kind of see what he does there. Um, you know, I, I would love to see him, you know, I'm, I would be curious. Because as he mentioned, yeah, I, I think he he doesn't have issue getting to the paint, getting to the rim. But as mm-hmm. you, but because he has a guy in, in Jared Allen shooting like eighty percent of the rim this year, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, and they have such a good connection, like he doesn't feel the need to force a shot at the rim. But I would be curious to kind of see how does he balance that, you know, long term. Like where does he kind of find the right level of throwing the lob and whatnot? And again, it helps that Jared Allen has a seven six wingspan and and all that. <laughs> 
So for this yeah. conduct, you yeah. take a lot of shots there. But um, to me, it's just really about like that. And then also I want to know how he does long-term, you know, against traps and stuff in the playoffs, because I, you know, as much as I love the Cavs this year, a one game I can't shake, and that has me a little bit worried about the playoffs. And that's it's it's fine. Like they're they're young. It's not going to be a bit like that. I think the first Milwaukee game they put the Bucks yeah. twice this year. The, um, you, the first one was a lot of them trapping Darius mm-hmm. and making and putting him in like prison basically, mm-hmm. and Drew Holiday just then like backing him down and like owning him for like the end of the, that game. I I know exactly. Yeah, it's that yeah. first Bucks game that they lost in Milwaukee. The second game it was like it was like a shell of the Bucks. They had a bunch of guys out. Yeah, um, yep. but I remember watching that first game and it had me a little bit worried about kind of how Garland would fare, you know, against a a long limbed trap heavy or aggressive scheme, you know, in, in the pick and roll there. Um, I think it does help that in games since then a lot, I think the Cavs have been smart to use Evan Mobley as a screener there um, because Evan Mobley is such a good decision maker on the short roll. So teams are going to trap Garland. He's either going to, you know, Mobley's either going to find, you know, Chetty in the corner for three or Jerry for a lob or cutting Stevens from the baseline, things like that. Or maybe, you know, maybe Kevin Love's in the other corner. So um, we've definitely seen some tweaks to how they go about that because you can, like, you can just tell that, like, the Cavs watch the film from that game and we're kind of like, okay, we got to, we got to figure out what to do if teams are going to track Darius and he's not going to be able to get the ball out quickly. So um, that would be my other thing is like, how does he respond, you know, uh, you know, to, to the game, to teams like that, that have, that are really, really big. And the Bucks are, you know, at their best, arguably the best defense in the NBA. So that's not some, you know, replicable, you know, team building strategy across the league, but for the, what, yeah. what I think this Cavs core is capable of long-term with three, you know, conservatively top 50 top 50 guys you know 23 and under um that either you should hope that you're going to get to a spot where like garland runs into that that sort of problem you know quote unquote um consistently i shouldn't say problem but that sort of strategy i guess yeah. and so um you've seen some growth against traps but um the bucks are kind of you know the standard right now in terms of like you know one of the better trapping teams that has the size and all that so um, that's that's what I'm most curious about. And that's why I'm so excited to watch him in the playoffs. I really want to kind of see how he does. Everyone was curious about Trey last year, and he did really well for the most part. And I think, you know, Garland's kind of that next guy who's a you know, brilliant shooter, scorer, passer, but has a little bit small on the size. And um, the big difference, though, is I think Trey handles traps better. And that's not to say that Garland can't get there, but that's the biggest thing to me is how does how do he and the Cavs respond? And we've seen some encouraging things over the last five or six weeks since that game and how much, you know, Garland kind of struggled to make an impact at, at times against that strategy. Yeah. I, I'll be curious to see kind of how they build a roster to kind of help do that. Because I think if they get to a playoff series right now, I think you've outlined exactly what teams will do. They will trap the Cavs. They will say, get the, we're going to get the ball out of Darius's hands and we're going to dare anyone else to beat you. We're going to put the ball in Isaac's hands. We're going to put the ball in Moby's hands, frankly, because like, although you get flashes of it, it, it can be up and down a little bit because he's so young. And, and if he, when the Cavs, it drives me nuts when the Cavs will like post him and they just let him dribble the ball like five times while everyone else is standing around. It's just, it's just bad. It's just bad offense and teams in the playoffs. Like if they get, like let's say the Red we get like Philly in the first round. That is like not like they're just being like okay, like we'll scram out of this. We'll put him beat on Mobley for a little bit or something, or he'll play help defense and like it won't go well. Or they'll trap him or they'll put Thibel on him and just be like okay, Darius, like you're gonna give up the ball and if you're gonna get shots up, it's gonna be really hard for you to get anything clean because we're gonna have Matisse just chasing you around for like the 35 minutes you're playing or whatever. Like there, it's yeah, the, it will it will be harder. The Sixers would just put Matisse on and probably hedge a lot with Embiid and then have if yep. Danny Green's healthy, they would have Danny in help and he's got such great hands that they would rotate to Mobley, you know, uh, on the short roll with Danny and he would, 
you know, as I mentioned earlier, Mobley has a pretty good handle for big men, but can still have issues against perimeter players making stuff happen. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's other, you know, you look at Chicago team that is, you know, not not doesn't have the, the big man inside, but a team at full strength that's really good defensively. You know, the numbers 40, are 48 minutes of one of Lonzo or Caruso chasing Garland around is like a really, it's just, that's a hard playoff. Yeah. It's just hard. That's just really hard. Um, yeah, absolutely. They, and I and I think you've seen them try to do some stuff in the short term to like work around this. Like they've when Kevin and him are in the game together, they've been doing a little more of Jared Allen screen for off ball, and Darius comes around screens. They try to get him kind of cutting to the rim and as off back cuts off of screens. They're trying to get him stuff where he's not having to just bring up the ball and run a pick and roll. They're trying to get him like coming off the of screens and initiating the offense after he comes off the screens just to kind of loosen things up. I think that's why they went out and got Rondo just to like theoretically have another ball handler. Although I we've seen like just a very small sample of it, but like, I don't expect Rondo plus Garland to have nearly the same magic that Rubio Garland did. It's just going to be very different when it comes down to it. I think like if they decide to make a trade, whether it's now or, or in the off season, I ball, if they can find, I, you know, again, like I think like the a plus names you could throw out there as like fan dream targets, like Ingram, Jalen Brown, that kind of player. I tend to think that, the the if they could find like a middle ground of like some kind of wing who's like an okay shooter and but could handle the ball and be and, and also is bigger that is like at least like six five like Karis Levert is like not a perfect fit and like the his injury history and his shooting is like a little bit of a concern but like that is the archetype of player that I think if you could find that guy and you could fit that guy into your starting five and like maybe it's like this was what replaces marketing at the three or maybe it's a two if you want to keep marketing at the three whatever you want to do and Okoro will have a, a big say in what you do there. Like that is the kind of player that I think could really help Garland. I also just frankly think like I don't know what his contract situation look like. There's a version of what Colin Sexton can be in the NBA that is still like an interesting fit as like a supplement to what Darius Garland has become. I don't know if like I want to bank on them as like your starting backcourt going forward, but like if Sexton is like your bench guy to kind of come in or like you stagger them even if they start together, kind of like are way more aggressive about staggering them and you're you're allocating less of the cap than like the Blazers have done with Lillard and McCollum. I think you can find ways around it without having to get like the A plus guy. But like if I'm Kobe Altman, that is concern one. And with with concern two being like real depth and and, and shooting over the next like 12 months. Like those are kind of the two things to me that if I'm trying to figure out what to do here to take the next step and not let this be like a one year and then regression kind of thing. It's that kind of player that I think you need to take some of the burden off of Darius because it is just too much in the modern NBA to ask him to have to keep doing this and doing this and doing this. Like it's not sustainable. It's just not sustainable. I think franchise building. Yeah, and I think you know the 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 McCollum Lillard and you know comps weren't ever unreasonable, and they're I, I get them now. But I think you know what, what differenti- differentiates the, the comp at this point is like look at look at the Blazers front court over the years, right? Versus who the Cavs are going to have for you know the next half decade at a bare minimum, right? With with Mobley and Allen there, so that that makes you because the concerns are always defensively, right? So like like you can I mean. You have two all defensive caliber big men inside. Like you can make a lot of things work, and you've got a, and you've got a Coro, and you've got Stevens, and um, you know, you, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with Chetty long term, but he, even he's a guy who I think has been yep. up and down defensively, it makes stuff happen. Like he makes he makes things happen for him that you know, kind of skew positive at least. So um, yeah, and that's that's the big bummer about both the Sexton and the the Rubio injuries you mentioned with Garland going off the ball because I thought he was good off the ball last year, but he just didn't get to do it as much because of the roster. Um, this year, I think they've. You know, featured it more when they can. It's been less prominent since the Rubio injury, unfortunately. But uh, and Garland's gotten a little bit better there too. And so um, you take a guy like Rondo, who you know I think was you know I 
I think I watched almost. I think I watched all three games he was with the Cavs. Um, you know, was 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 okay. He wasn't he, you know, wasn't great in that Portland game, uh, unfortunately. But you know, was pretty solid in the other two games. I think at times. But his issues is like even though he's a, a very good passer, like he doesn't keep the ball flow going like Rui does. Right? I mean, he doesn't probe like that. He doesn't make the quick decisions. Like he can still kind of he wants he kind of wants to be the guy who makes the assist, which is totally fine. Like I mean, I if you're like Rondo, you would want to trust yourself, but it bogs things down. And he doesn't have the scoring punch of Sexton, right? So like Sexton, even though you didn't trust him as much to, you know, necessarily make the to timely read as a passer, you could trust him to score pretty well. Rubio, he was the other way around, right? And so and Rondo doesn't give you that. So some sort of guy there that you can trust, and um, yeah, I think that that would help. But but yeah, I think I have a lean wing for for Cleveland that aren't you know they again having two seven footers like that inside who who are smart off-ball scorers can finish yep. everything and are great defensively, gives you a lot of leeway for how you proceed when you have Garland there. But um, I would lean wing. I just think it would be nice to have a guy that, you know, Mobley and Mobley and Allen, or Mobley or Allen, excuse me, can run a, can run a set of screen for Garland. He can get downhill and he can either find, he can get the ball to the lob or he can kick it out to a corner of the wing for a secondary scorer to either take that spot up three or attack off the catch. And, um, you know, that, that's why I think, you know, like I think Ingram is probably I don't know exactly like I don't know Ingram versus Jalen's very different types of players, but um, I, I, I have a, I have a personal preference, but I, I and it's Jalen just because I I think Jalen is I, I the defensive stuff with Jalen to me just like so tantalizing because I Ingram's been a little more up and down on that end, but like Ingram as like a shot creator who's like also very tall is also just like I like it would fill a clear need maybe a little more directly than like Jalen might. And they, but these are also like pipe dream traits. Like these are things that like the odds of them happening are very slim. Like the realistic thing is like something in the middle of like, that is not going to be, you know, something that costs you like a bunch of firsts or like one of your, other, like it, it's just real. It just feels more realistic. That there's like a middle ground. You have to try to wedge there. Like if there's like whatever, whoever like the next like TJ Warren type of player is, who's just going to like, kind of evolve into something a little bit more that and then isn't going to cost like 30 million dollars a year when you know you have a lot of money coming up for Darius and Jared's making 100 million like that to me feels more even though like I think if the Cavs could they would probably be like yeah like we would in a perfect world they'd be like yeah we'll also take Brandon Ingram but like that's also just pipe that's pipe dream trade stuff I think more than anything else yeah and I think you know I I I think Ingram's improved defensively this year and I think Jalen is like I'm not enthused with Jalen's defense as much like especially off the ball like (laughs) Um, the Celtics vibes are just so sus that I'm just a little, just like okay, like can, I, I'm, I just, I just believe. No, absolutely, little, yeah, little, yeah. I think, but I think the, uh, you know, I think the the gap defensively is much smaller than maybe reputation okay. or narrative would suggest with them. Um, I think both have some pretty good utility on the ball, um, but both leave a lot desired in varying ways off the ball. Um, but I think it, you've, if those are the guys you're looking at, like I, I think it depends kind of what they want that acquisition to do for Darius, you know. Is, is it that you want another release valve on the perimeter? Because that's where I think Jalen is a little better. He's quicker with decisions. He's, he's better getting downhill. Um, I trust him a little more to take the spot up three rather than, you know, dribble into something. Ingram is the guy that instead, you know, can move Garland off the ball. You can you can play Ingram as a guy that you set flex screens for it, let him work in the mid post. He can still shoot spot up threes, but he's a little more comfortable in terms of catching the ball and then taking a couple of dribbles. So um, it kind of depends. Do you want Garland's life to be, more beneficial as a passer, or do you want it to be easier as a scorer? So, um, if those are the two guys, which I think both, you know, both are, I'm not saying that like neither one's available right now, as far as I know, but I don't think it's like wild to presume that one, one or both could be available in the next seven, eight months. Um, it's, it's just saying now, but between now and next year's trade deadline, 
Um, and so it's just kind of curious to, if those are kind of the top guys, how each would impact Garland and, and whatnot. Both of them are going to, you know, put a lot on, on, on Mobley and Allen's plate defensively. But, um, you know, given what I've seen from them this year, I have pretty good confidence that they're capable of it. So, um, but yeah, I think, you know, just some some sort of scoring punch next to, to Garland would really help on the perimeter because I think as good as you know, Jarrett has been and what I think Mobley can be long-term, at least from a playoff perspective, which is what I think the Cavs yep. should be emphasizing because they're already really good. Yeah. Um, you have a little bit of worries about offensive limited big men, even if you know Mobley has gotten better as the year gone on and, and Jarrett's already much better than he was last year in terms of kind of making things happen for himself. So yeah. um, both those guys are good options, but anyone really, I think, just with, with some size there to, to kind of give some some sort of punch from the perimeter to help, to help everyone involved, but particularly Darius would be really, really useful to target in the next you know 10 months. Yes. All right. After the break, we're going to talk about the aforementioned Jared Allen. Uh, but first, going to tell everyone about our friends at Bilt Bar. Bilt Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market with so many great flavors, including cookies and cream, mint brownie, coconut. I mean, you can't really go wrong with any of them. Check out a mix box if you haven't tried any of them already. Most Bilt Bars have 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which has 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Bilt Bar, by the way, is a choc- it's chocolate-covered, but it's and it's 100% real chocolate, but they're still healthy. You can't really go wrong. Go to Bilt.com, promo code LOCK15, and get 15% off your order. Again, use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Bilt.com. Okay. Jackson, you just wrote about Jared Allen. And I think he is very much deserving an all-star game consideration at the very least. He's been awesome. His post, his post game this year has become something that you can actually like use. And like, that is not something that I think was the case last year or during his time in Brooklyn. Um, He's back to shooting really efficiently at the rim, which he had a kind of a dip in last year with Cleveland where he was taking, just wasn't getting as many shots to the room. And that has drastically changed this year as things have kind of normalized. I want to ask you what to you has made, him pop like what do you has popped with him and particularly what has popped in his partnership with Mobley because like those two have just become outrageous and it's it's worked I think better than nothing anyone probably could have expected in, in if we're being optimistic about it yeah I mean I, I think you know like I, I had such a blast watching Jared Allen um this year he was good last year and he's been good in Brooklyn as well but um I mean from I, I watched that first game of the year against the Cavs or against the Grizzlies excuse me and I literally remember writing like in my notes like possible like you know self-creation leap from from jared allen like is he a much better player like it just popped from day one that he was a better player than last year um and it's basically been that way all year um what what stands out to me is is the patience he has on the role too like obviously when he plays in the dunker spot or you know he's playing against traditional drop coverage he's great because garland is going to make that read every time and they have such good chemistry and jared is a he knows how to position himself off the ball really well um, but when teams tra- trap Darius or they do other things to get the ball out of his hands and kind of put a defender between Jarrett and the basket, his patience there is really good. Um, you know, he, he pivots, he's got up fakes. Um, he's so long, he doesn't need to get all the way to the rim. He knows how to use that length too. And I think what I wrote about in that article is, you know, there are certain, like, a lot of times people will use the term rim runner to kind of imply limitations. And while that's not untrue, there's mm-hmm. a broad spectrum of what defines a rim runner. You compare what Jared Allen can do on the role versus what a guy like Daniel Gafford can do. And Daniel Gafford is good. Like I'm not, yes. not but like, but you put, you put a, a six, eight wing between Daniel Gafford and the hoop on the roll. He's probably going to have some issues. He's better as a pass this year, but he is not comfortable putting the ball in the deck. Jared can kind of do a little bit, one or two dribbles there, use his length to get around guys. Um, so that's, that's what really kind of 
stands out there and then has, you know, that patience and those pivots and that forward extend to the post. He's not doesn't have he's not Joel, he's not Nicola, he's not Cat in the post. Um, but he has that hook shot down. He's got the nice up and unders. Like I feel, I think in the when I did like my my montage of, of post ups for Gerald. I think I had Steven Adams in there twice getting burned on an up and under in, yep. in, in different games against <laughs> against the Cavs. Um, but he's just so patient there. And then um, he's not some incredible passer. He's not mobile, but like the Cavs can trust him to be a decision maker um, and feel like what he's going to do with the ball is going to produce a good result, whether that means points is obviously not entirely within his control, but that's important. That really kind of distinguishes him because I think he has a rim running role, but I don't think he's a rim runner in the, in, in the Cavs offense, by any means, I think he has more utility than that. And that's important. Um, but defensively, just the growth on the perimeter, um, the way that like some the Cavs defense is, I would say kind of the, the foundation of it is the fact that he and Mobley can kind of toggle between roles when they're out, when they're out there together. And I thought Mobley could kind of do whatever he asked him in pre-draft defensively. I didn't quite think Mo- Allen was as kind of malleable or versatile every team we want to use there. And he's been incredibly he holds his own on switches. He flips his hips so well. He's light on his feet. They have him play kind of the nail and, and stunt on drives at seven feet tall, which is ridiculous. Um, it's not really a real, like, I th- again, I thought Mobley could do that, but the Cavs have no issue. Like if Mobley is the one protecting the rim inside and Allen's the one playing on the wing defensively, they're, they're totally comfortable with that. If the roles are reversed, they're good there too. So um, the biggest areas of growth for me, like I said, are kind of the patience to score both, you know, in the post and on the roll. And then the fact that he's a lot more comfortable excelling on the perimeter defensively. Um, and then you couple that with a great, great, great synergy with, with, uh, with Garland, the pick and roll. Um, you have a really, really good player, but with, with Mobley specifically, the high low pass me is awesome from both, from both ends, whether it's Mobley finding him for a dunk or, or vice versa. Um, you just have two plus passers uh, in for the for a big man in there, and then also they're both smart off ball scorers too. Um, they move into space well. They play the dunker spot well. Like sometimes you put a guy in the dunker spot, he doesn't exactly know how to function there. Um, both Allen and Mobley are really good about kind of figuring out when to peek into the passing window, when to roll. Like you know, if a guy's probing, like that was the thing that they both had really good chemistry with, with Rubio. Um, you know, if Rubio kind of he'll drive baseline, he loves to do kind of that probe, keep the ball dribbling. And, you know, under the rim and they'll, they'll kind of float into the middle of the paint instead and not clog things up and Rubio will find them. So um, just really, really impressed with, with Jared Allen, um, you know, in a lot of ways, honestly, and people might think this is a, is a disservice to him, but it's not been in a lot of ways. He's kind of been the Rudy Gobert of the East. And I don't mean that disparaging at all. Like I, I mean that generally as a comment, Rudy Gobert is an all NBA center um, because he's been, and he's been so good defensively too. Like I was like, I had some numbers in my piece, but like, I think, among guys who can test like 100 shots at the rim this year, he had the best disparity between like what they shoot on average there versus what they were shooting against Jared Allen. It was it was yeah. like the top four were like Gobert, Giannis, Jarrett, and Mobley or something like that, uh, which is ridiculous that two guys on the same team <laughs> are on there. But um, in, I mean, again, he's finishing like 80% of his shots at the rim, which is like mm-hmm. unheard of. Like I think, again, I had some stat on there that like Gobert was like, I think maybe I used, I pulled some data from the analyst side. So it was a little bit different, but like Jared, shoot like 76% of the rim and Rudy Gobert shooting a career high 72%. And everyone knows that Rudy can finish everything at the rim basically. So um, I really can't say enough great things about Jared this year in terms of who he's been and the strides he's made to, to become this player. It's really, really fun and, and makes it even more exciting to kind of see who he becomes in, in three years, right? Does he turn 24 this year or in the summer, but regardless uh, in April, Okay, so yeah. right, yeah, right around there. So regardless, like 
you know, usually guys peak in that 26 to 28 year old range. Um, Jarrett still has a ways to go to kind of reach that range. And so I'm really excited to kind of see what he does because he's gotten wildly better every year. No, I wouldn't say, sorry, wildly better since his rookie year uh, and, and kind of incrementally every year. And I think it's really, really fun and cool. And um, again, I just, I could go on all day about what he's done this year. And it's been really, really enjoyable. Yeah, Michael Pina from Sports Illustrated pointed out a couple weeks ago that at, at one point he was the only, he would have been, if the season had ended, he would have been like the first player in NBA history to, to take at least 10 field goals a game and shoot above 70%. He is now like at 9.8 per game um, and is shooting 69.4%. So like it's it's still like within the range of possibility. He's just like dunking on everyone. He's, I think, just like kind of been probing up the defense when Mobley sits and is, you know, I, I think like, depending on who you ask and like what you value, I think you could get a very different answer on like who you would say has like the better all-star case in between him and Garland. And I don't like mean to like put them against each other, but I think like guard, like you could just argue depending on how, what you think is really driving this team's success. Mm-hmm. I tend to think that at times he has been the Cavs best player this year. I think Garland is probably the most important just because of how important ball handling and, and shot creation and, and, and kind of organizing the offense has really been. Um, even when Rubio was getting his deserved flowers, I thought like Garland had just clearly kind of just taken on a much bigger role in the way that that mattered. I kind of think Allen though has the best chance of being an all-star for Cleveland just because of like how, if you just think if they're going to give some front court guys some love and like, and has been awesome this year, which you could speak to better than me, you know, but Bam's been out a bunch. Um, it's a lot they, thinner. It's a lot thinner in the front court and you yeah. get more, there's more, guys who make it in the front court because they give three positions yeah. there. So yeah. Uh, so it's yeah, like, the, like DeMar and DeMar being maybe a kind of as a guard, which he shouldn't, but like, it, like, you know, like he's, I, I don't, don't even exist anymore. Yeah, doesn't yeah, yeah, I mean, it, which is fine. I'm cool with that. Like just honestly, like all NBA teams should be like, if I'm going to radicalize them, like just give me like the best 15 dudes. I don't, yeah, I, don't care. I, I yeah. said that the other day, like, like you have, you have Trey young leading an elite offense at six feet tall. And then you have, you know, uh, like Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid running point guard basically at seven yeah. feet tall. And yeah, it doesn't like it, uh, yeah. what's a point guard anyways, but yeah. Yeah, it's, I, it's, I, yeah, it's, it's dumb. But like Allen, I think like has, if you're looking at who's competing against, I think like Bam's being out, like I think hurts Bam, but I, even I love Bam. Like among like, let's just say centers, like it's like Embiid. And then I, but I, I don't like off the top of my head, like in the East, it's like, I don't think like the Celtics guys are better. Like, I don't think the Pacers guys have been better. I don't think like Vooch has been better. I don't think like Clint Capella has been as good as, as Jared Allen. Like, I, I think Allen like has a real shot. I, I think if I was going to gauge on like, if one of them is going to be able to start, I think Allen might have just a better chance just because guard in the East is so stacked. And Garland, mm-hmm. I think is very much deserving of, of consideration. But like with, if you're going against Van Vliet and, and Holiday and, like the the one being and and, and Lamelo and like yeah, Rosen counts the guy like it's it's just loaded even if he's mm-hmm. deserving. I think Allen has like a very clear shot of being an All Star this year and like that's yeah, I think like I think Allen for me for me would be like I think he would be my my automatic first front court reserve obviously of the big three yeah. of well I guess I guess we're gonna get one more guy in because it seems like KD probably will be yeah. out unfortunately. Yeah, the All Star Games what in a month now, and he's yeah, and, and, yeah, and yeah, he's um, we're gonna he like they announced on Sunday that he has an MCL sprain. Like you would think that mm-hmm. just they might not like he may he'll like be named an All Star. Then it's just like quietly like yeah. we're not you don't need, you don't need to go play in this game that doesn't that doesn't matter at all. Yeah. Just just rest, it's fine. But regardless, like the big three of Giannis, Embiid, and Katie, the three guys that you consider like MVP candidates, like those are those they're gonna start. It's gonna be the, like nobody's third name the starters. Allen would be my my first 
front court, you know, reserve. I would put, I think Tatum's deserving as well, despite having a down scoring year so far. I've been impressed with him, but but I would pick Allen before Tatum so far. Um, I think it's close because they're in very different contexts. One is very favorable for Jared Allen. The other, not so much for Jason Tatum, unfortunately. But, yeah. um, and then, you mean, like, Jimmy Butler's been awesome, but Jimmy has missed, what, 21 games? I would put him in because it's been a wonky year and I want to reward the best guys, but I wouldn't put him in above that, above Jared by any means. Yeah. Um, and I think that the coaches, that stuff matters too. Like, the fact you can, you know, Jimmy's awesome, but you, like, it matters that you've only played 21, you've missed 21 games and he'd have played 45 total. Like, that sort of stuff is important. So um, I, I agree that the depth of guard hurts Garland no more, um, unfortunately. But I think Garland can still get in. Like, I think yeah. you know, I, I, there's a bunch of different – like, to me, I feel pretty strongly that Trey should start. Um, but other than that, like, I don't really have an issue in terms of, like – like, I, I could hear a case for, like, six or seven different guards that you, said, you should oh, say yeah, it's starts right. alongside Trey this year. Um, and Garland is, is one of them. I think Garland's case is less strong than maybe a couple other guys for me. But um, – I think he's absolutely got it, got a chance for sure. And yeah, I think as you mentioned, at, at, you know, kind of the start of the segment is inter- interesting kind of how you craft their case. Do you say, each of these, these, these two guys case, do you say that like, you know, the Cavs are an elite defense and Jared is arguably the most important reason for that. Um, and he's, he pairs very well with Garland pick and roll, or is it that, and that like that allows Garland to survive defensively, or is it that, you know, Garland is so good offensively at generating shots for Mobley and Allen and creating for himself that he allows the offense to stay afloat. And that's why they can play all these defensive defensive slant players. Um, you know, so I think that's a really interesting discussion. I lean more toward, you know, preferring the defense there. Um, yeah. But I don't think you can go wrong. And I, I think, you know, as we said, like if, if it was just guys, if it was just the best 12 players in the conference, um, you know, in, in a given season or a given, you know, 60% of the year, I think either one would be of, pretty similar cases in terms of, you know, just like flat deservingness, obviously different cases during how they flush it out. But um, just because of the landscape, it seems like chair is a better case, but by no means, I mean, the Cavs have a pretty nice schedule between now and, you know, the time all-star reserves are picked, if I recall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, uh, you know, the Cavs could rattle off, you know, get up to third, fourth in the East. And, you know, I don't always agree with it, but sometimes voters like your coaches, I guess, like to kind of reward team success. Um, I think it's to me, I, I shouldn't say I don't disagree with it, but I think it go, you have to have a better reason than just, oh, this team is, you know, third in the East. Well, that's why they should have two all-stars, but that stuff does matter. And I think, you know, if the Cavs continue to rattle off wins, it will be because of Garland and Allen and, you know, Mobley to a lesser extent, but he's not, not in the all-star discussions this year, at least. Yeah. Just as a, as a note of voting, Garland is ninth in the last return of votings behind the likes of Van Vliet, Derek Rose and Kyrie. And who knows how. Uh, the Kyrie thing will be viewed among coaches. That is just, I, I don't want to touch that. And Allen is, uh, Allen is six behind, kind of in his own little tier behind Jimmy Butler, but ahead of Bam, ahead of Pascal Siakam, ahead of Miles Bridges, and ahead of LaMarcus Aldridge, who's 10th. And so I think certainly won't, <laughs> certainly won't be an all-star in the way that like Derek Rose won't be an all-star, but his top 10 in voting. Um, just vote, fan voting is very funny, and I understand it. Um, it's just... It's very funny. Also, just think 15 men rosters. I think I did that backwards, but 12 yeah. is 12, isn't it? Isn't it 12? Yeah, but I, I want 15. I'm going to. Oh, oh, yes. No, I, I agree. I'm gonna, yeah, I had it backwards because I wasn't yes. thinking on video. I but agree, though. Yeah. I, I want 15. I hasn't want 15. been? Yeah, hasn't it been 12 since like the league had like 20 teams? It's, it's weird. It doesn't make sense to me either. <laughs> All right, Jackson, before we uh, we go, I'm going to just people should direct people to go check out your work at The Analyst. There's your piece on Jared Allen. There's your piece on Darius Carlin, which is a little older, but still very much worth people's time. Tell everyone about what you're doing it and where they can find you. Yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter at Jack Frank underscore JJF. I'm 
I'm tweeting a lot of clips and thoughts about different teams. Out, you know, the Cavs are among my most prevalent talked about teams this year because I was high on them, you know, coming into the year, and uh, I've watched a ton of them and enjoyed them. And then, you, as as Chris said, you can find my NBA work at the Analyst, Basketball News, Liberty Ballers, Dime Up Rocks. Um, you know, putting out one to two long form things a week, um, doing a lot of doing a lot of work. But yeah, if you enjoy Cavs stuff, I'm I'm always on there at least once or twice a week, watching the game and tweeting out fun clips about. Garland and Mobley and, and Jared. I've been a little tied up with some stuff, but I'm definitely uh, I've heard great things about uh, the Garland game from from Saturday and the comeback. Oh. So I'll, I'll be definitely tuning in there for that sometime later this week when things clear up. But I but I had someone in my mentions. I was watching the I was watching the Sixers Heat game and I had someone in mentions like tweet tweet at me about uh, Garland play, going off and I was like I've made it. I've yeah the yeah. brand is strong. People know to alert me when Darius Garland's yeah uh, having a, having a great game. So I appreciate yeah. that. Whoever. Can't remember who it was, but thank you for if they're listening to this. Whatever Clutch Sports bot, it's just it's <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Siegel's burner. Um, but uh, but we, as we get out of here, thank you for making Lockdown Cavs your first listen every day. Remember, we're free and available on all platforms. Uh, up tomorrow, Evan will be back. We're going to get into Cavs Bulls, a big, big midweek game, even if it's perhaps not a full strength game for Chicago. I'm in that game because no, I don't, as we're recording this, I don't think we're going to see Lonzo Ball or Zach Levine in that one. At the very least, we're not going to see Lonzo Ball. If you want a great second listen, check out Lockdown Bets, your daily one stop shop for your gambling needs. Lockdown Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms.